Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. On the dot, in fact, it is the... It's August 25th of 2023, and this is episode, what, 781 of Bitcoin, and you can shove it up your Jackson Hole. Yeah, Jackson Hole thing's going on, and markets react accordingly. We'll get into all of that. Uh, Whitney Webb, uh, her child, her very small son, has been put on a ventilator. Anybody of you guys who know who Whitney Webb is... Uh, I did not know this about her son, but he was apparently born with a larynx condition that was misdiagnosed, and now he's, like, awaiting surgery. And as he's been waiting for, like, three months, the condition has just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. So uh, for any of you people out there that are, you know, uh, that pray to God, then please pray for Whitney Webb's son, who's very small. I mean, this is a tiny little guy, right? Okay. Um, if you don't believe in God and you don't get into any of that stuff, then just send positive energy to Whitney Webb. Nobody, nobody, nobody should have to watch their child go through something like this. And also, while you're at it, a good friend of mine has been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Uh, she's a lovely woman. She's actually one of those women that are like one of a kind kind of thing. Uh, very close to myself and my wife. She was, I actually knew her first and became friends with her and then uh, lost track of her for a few years. And then me and my wife got, you know, well, I got married and my girlfriend became my wife. And then a few years later, we saw Haley again. This is the woman's name is Haley uh, at a bar. And lo and behold, her and my wife became like really, really good friends and were got real close and real tight, and then she moved away, and then they were talking on the phone a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, she called us and told her, told us all that she had stage four cancer. So if you would, please send the same prayers, thoughts, and positive energy to Haley, as well as Whitney Webb and her small child. Um, because, you know, miracles can happen. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I have seen it happen. So if you could do that, I'd appreciate it. All right. Where are we at? What, what's going to go? What's going to go on here? Okay. Let's talk about this whole Fed business. We got this one. Coindesk, uh, Stephen Alfer is telling us about the Jackson Hole. Fed's pal is at Jackson Hole, and he's prepared to raise rates further if appropriate, as if the crushing weight of his decisions hasn't destroyed us already. Restrictive monetary policy will continue to be needed until inflation is sustainably slowing, said United States Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell in his keynote speech 
at the Kansas City Fed's Jackson Hole Symposium. The central bank, said Powell, is ready to raise rates further, if appropriate, though we'll proceed carefully. Like a bull in a china shop, I suppose. The price of Bitcoin initially slipped a few dollars on the hawkish lean to Powell's remarks, but has since bounced to a modestly modestly positive on the day at (coughs) $26,200. Excuse me, pardon me. The move up is perhaps not surprising given the bearish tilt to Bitcoin's price action in the days leading up to the Jackson Hole event. As traders anticipated, Powell's continued focus on corralling inflation back to the central bank's 2% target, which is soon to be 3%, just you watch. According to the CME FedWatch tool, market participants are forecasting about a 20% chance of another Fed rate hike at the central bank's September meeting, roughly the same as prior to the Powell speech. A check of traditional market shows U.S. stock indices posting modest gains of about eh, half a percent. The 10-year Treasury yield is little changed near a 16-year high of 4.22%. Also little changed on the session are the U.S. dollar index and the price of gold. (coughs) Honestly, I'm actually kind of surprised that the market has been reacting today like it has been to these remarks because we kind of knew that he was going to say this shit. It's not like it's a surprise. So, but the market is kind of acting a little bit like a, like it's surprised that this, that this has occurred. Oh my God. You know, it's just bizarre. So we'll have to see how this goes during the day. (laughs) It's just like flipped over and saw Trump's mugshot. No, I'm not going to talk about Trump's mugshot. I'm just not. But just understand that, yes, Jerome Powell is out in the beautiful place that is Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and he's basically spelling out doom and gloom, I guess, for everybody. But we've got other fish to fry because some people got rug pulled again. Why? Well, because nobody ever learns their lessons. Prashant Jha, Cointelegraph, Magnate Finance, on base, rug pulls users of 6.5 million as predicted by on-chain sleuth. Magnate Finance, a lending and borrowing platform on Coinbase's Layer 2 protocol base, has indeed rug pulled its users of $6.5 million hours after on-chain sleuths like Zach XBT warned about the possibility of an exit scam due to several actions of the founders of the project. Earlier, on August the 25th, the Magnate Finance Protocol deleted its Telegram group and took its website offline, raising concerns among users of a possible exit scam. Magnate Finance also deleted its Twitter account and removed all possible social media presence. Zach XBT had notified that the Magnate Finance Deployer address is directly linked to the Soulfire $4.8 million exit scam. Same guys, I guess. Just hours after deleting the Telegram group and taking their website down, the project developers manipulated the price oracle of the protocol and removed all of the assets, leading to the collapse of the $6.4 million of total value locked in the protocol. Stay safe out there, gentlemen and ladies. Blockchain analytic firm PeckShield notified that the scammers behind the project transferred $1.34 million worth of DAI tokens to a new address starting from X or sorry, 0x0664 
and later bridged $1 million of the stolen funds to the BNB smart chain. Of course they did, of course. PeckShield also tracked five different wallets linked to the magnate finance scammers. The scammer behind the rug pull has bridged the majority of the profits to Ethereum L2 platforms, Arboretum, and Optimism. <laughs> Optimism, along with the BNB smart chain through Stargate. Currently, around 295 Ether and 1.3 million DAI are still held on the base chain. Exit scams and rug pulls have become common <laughs> of late, especially in the decentralized finance ecosystem due to the added convenience of decentralization. This is evident from the fact that the total value of cryptocurrencies lost in exit scams and hacks amounted to $656 million during the first half of this year alone. So people still getting scammed, people still getting rugged. You know, I it just it's almost like it's almost like the attitude of venture capitalists, you know, back in the day when they would just throw money at like a hundred different things, understanding that they were going to lose ninety nine percent of the time, but that one thing, that one thing that they didn't get rug pulled on, maybe will make all their money back and more. It's just it's ludicrous. Just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. Blockstream. Blockstream's core lightning integrates the splicing feature. And this apparently is what? Uh, ooh, Bitcoin Magazine, Nick Hoffman. Blockstream has introduced the splicing feature in its core lightning implementation, enabling liquidity changes to lightning channels, according to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. This comes on the heels of Async's implementation of splicing last month, where users of Eclair experienced a 60% decrease in lightning transaction fees. Splicing is expected to tackle a persistent challenge within the lightning network, liquidity constraints. These constraints have long been cited as a barrier to widespread adoption, impeding the seamless flow of transactions. With splicing, Blockstream aims, aims to alleviate these liquidity challenges, ultimately leading to more affordable and reliable transactions for lightning users. Lisa Nugget, developer at Blockstream, emphasized the significance of this feature, stating, quote, one of the biggest pain points for Lightning users is unreliable transaction throughput. Channel liquidity constraints are a big part of the equation there. Splicing is an incredible new tool for alleviating liquidity constraints, which should result in making transactions significantly cheaper and more reliable for users, end quote. Splicing also has a notable impact on the concept of unified wallets. Traditionally, users have had to manage separate Bitcoin and Lightning balances, creating unnecessary complexity. With the introduction of splicing, these balances can be managed seamlessly, rendering the distinction between Bitcoin and Lightning balances largely inconsequential for everyday users. Guys, that part is important. That's important. This is why splicing is so important. Dusty Damon, lead splicing contributor, highlighted the user-centric approach behind the feature. Quote, the goal is to make wallets just work instead of users having to bear the brunt of managing different account balances for different protocols. In the future, everyday users won't need to understand the difference between Lightning and Bitcoin. These protocols will simply be spliced together on the back end, end quote. Dusty Damon developed splicing, collaborating closely with Blockstream's Lisa Nougat, 
and Rusty Russell, as well as Async's CTO, Bastian Tinchuri, I can't pronounce it, Damon's work on this feature has been funded through private grants, including a recent contribution from OpenSats, a Bitcoin nonprofit organization partially backed by Jack Dorsey. As Blockstream's core Lightning implementation introduces splicing, the Lightning Network stands at the threshold of a new era of enhanced efficiency, reduced fees, and simplified user experiences. With this upgrade, the gap between Lightning and Bitcoin protocols is poised to narrow, driving the Bitcoin ecosystem closer to its vision of seamless, user-friendly transactions. And that's the point, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Damen und Herren is to get it to where I don't know if I'm using Bitcoin or or Lightning. Now, me personally, I'm going to want to know. Because I've been here for so damn long, I can't just not know. But most users, let's be honest. Let's be brutally honest. They don't care. They don't want to care. They don't know. And they don't want to know. What they want is just to be able to do a thing and not have to figure out, or even understand or or even witness what the hell is going on in the back end. And if these guys, if this splicing feature really does what it's cracked, what they if it's cracked up to be what people say it's gonna do, then it's literally going to make it almost impossible for a normie user to understand to really give a shit. They're not gonna have to give a shit. Whether or not they're using Lightning or Bitcoin, it's all just going to work. And as sad as that is, how many of you drive your car and consciously think about how the engine is connected, you know, through, you know, a clutch to the transmission and then the transmission to the differential and then the differential to the tires? Nobody really thinks of that. When you get on a plane, how much of the hydraulic systems do you really understand Did you even know that there were hydraulic systems that operate the ailerons and the flaps and all that kind of stuff? Probably not. I I mean, I know about it, but I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. And I certainly, certainly don't have to give a shit about it when I'm on a plane. You know, uh, the same thing with any trains, planes, or automobile. All these things that you use on a daily basis. How much do you really think you need to know for it to just work? And how often would you want to use these things if you had to do all the stuff that's going on in the background? You know, for anybody, for anybody who was a child of the 70s, adjusting the antenna on top of the television set to get one of the four channels that were available for your life so that you could watch something so that it would come in clearly without fuzz was a pain in the ass and nobody wants to do it. So, and the reason that I'm going through all this is that I keep hearing all the people, or not all, but I'll, I'll, several people always bitch and complain that you need to know how to do this. It's good for you to know how to do this. Yeah, it's good for me. It may be good for y'all, but for normies, the people who just go to work and want to feed their kids and be able to have money that doesn't steal from them all day long, they don't want to know how to balance channels in lightning nodes. They don't want to know how to do submarine swaps. They don't want to have to manage liquidity, right? They don't want to do that. They just want to be able to buy a burger, man. And I think splicing is going to help that. I really do. I really do.
Now, let's get into this thing, this business in Oman. It, it, this is, I'm going to chalk this up as to, it's going to be nice if they're serious. But I don't know if they're serious because things in the Middle East, eh, they can get a little dicey at times. But for now, we're going to read this one from Forbes. Oman's bold Bitcoin play. A $1.1 billion investment on Bitcoin mining infrastructure. Not cryptocurrency mining. Bitcoin mining. And hopefully that will come out in this article. Sheikh Mansour bin Taleb bin Ali al Hanai. Wow, what a name. Chairman of Oman's Authority for Public Service Relations publicly commented about his nation's government's support of privately owned Bitcoin mining facilities, which are set to attract a total investment of over $1.1 billion. Quote, this initiative aligns with our goal to diversify our economy, integrating modern technologies while upholding our commitment to ethical and sustainable practices. Quote, end quote. Given Oman's conservative nature and its emphasis on Islamic law, introducing a concept as disruptive as Bitcoin mining required significant deliberation. But after rigorous regulatory discussions that started all the way back in 2019, the government of Oman eventually found Bitcoin to be in line with Islamic law, accepting the modern innovation into Oman's deep-rooted traditions. Quote, Our project transcends the boundaries of traditional mining data centers. By synergizing purpose-built hardware, hardware, hyperscale abilities, and smart energy consumption, Jad Frederick Karma, the CEO of Exahertz, told me in an interview, quote, we're building a robust framework that is both innovative and sustainable in line with Oman's 2040 vision. Stepping back, the Sultanate of Oman, a country known for its diverse terrain of desert mountain ranges and long coastlines, holds a strategic position on the southeastern tip of the Arabian Peninsula. It's a small nation of 4.5 million with a rich history of a and of a glorious past in the 17th century the Omani sultanate was contending with the portuguese and british empires for influence in the persian gulf and indian ocean today oman is contending over dominance in the crypto economy oman has the lowest gdp among all the oil-rich Gulf Corporation Council countries. Although the unemployment rate is only 3.7%, the employment opportunities compared to neighboring UAE are not as abundant nor prestigious. According to Karma, 24% of Omani graduates specialize in computer science, yet only 5% can secure relevant jobs. Technology projects like this one aims to change that. Oman does have oil reserves, constituting about 70% of its revenue and nearly 30% of its GDP. However, with global shifts towards a digital economy and the decline of oil's dominance, Oman must set its sails on a journey away from oil. Yeah, well, I wouldn't do that in the short term, dudes. In this context, Oman's forward-thinking vision has paved the way for Exahertz, a homegrown startup, to take center stage in this digital revolution. The ambitious establishment of a pilot Bitcoin mining site of 11 megawatt capacity, that's big, coupled with ambitious plans to expand to 800 megawatts backed by a staggering budget of $1.1 billion, 
signifies more than just a technological advancement. It lays the groundwork for the technology infrastructure of the future. This has been a long time coming. Exahertz received its license from local regulators in September of 2022 and delivered an operational pilot within 22 days. Now, with the Exahertz facilities built out in a modular fashion that can be scaled to support the electrical grid and prevent overburdening, there are also approved plans to tap into wasted flare gas and develop new sources of hydro energy. Stabilizing the grid is a prime concern in this era of prudent energy consumption. Bitcoin mining, with its ability to function as a, quote, load balancer, for power networks can aid in reducing fluctuations in electrical supply by adjusting mining intensity based on the available energy. These operations can help in maintaining a stable power supply, thereby ensuring grid stability. Quote, our blueprint for future expansion prioritizes ecocentric operations. Utilizing gas flares and hydro energy underscores our dedication to fostering a green, sustainable digital economy Karma told me in an interview. The grand vision extends beyond just Bitcoin mining, however. The infrastructure laid out for this project serves as a foundation for future technological endeavors. With the capacity to house massive data centers for supercomputers and facilitate machine learning projects, Oman is gearing up to be at the forefront of the, of the digital advancement. To many, Oman today echoes the vibes of Dubai from three decades ago, ripe with opportunities and potential. As Oman transitions from its traditional oil-centric economy, endeavors like this Bitcoin infrastructure project signal the nation's readiness to embrace the future. Quote, Bitcoin represents more than a digital currency. Its open ledger system is a significant leap for civilization, ushering in a new era of transparency and innovation, Karma said. Oman's national economic narrative is undergoing a transformation. As the desert winds continue to narrate tales of its rich past, the hum of the newly built Bitcoin mining facilities indicate a future filled with promise of prosperity for the nation and digital transformation. Through this harmonious blend of tradition and innovation, Oman is poised to etch its mark on the global digital map, mining not just the oil beneath its sands, but also the digital gold of our times. And that was written by Irina Hevner, by the way, for Forbes. Was it Forbes? Yeah, I think it was Forbes. Yeah, Forbes Digital Assets. Anyway, so the question becomes, is Oman really serious or are they just blowing smoke up everybody's ass? Who knows? It you, Until it's sort of like, until the check is cashed, and put in, you know, my pocket or my bank account or my social, my safe, uh, safety deposit box, that cash does not freaking exist until I see it in my hand and I have full control over it. That cash doesn't exist. And I've sort of gotten to the point where I take everything that I hear with a grain of salt. But if they're serious, 800 megawatts of mining on the tip of the Arabian Peninsula, that's gonna that's gonna be something that's definitely gonna be something all right let's see here what do we got oh the irs bitcoin magazine nick hoffman the united states treasury and the irs propose regulations on bitcoin and crypto transactions by brokers okay so this isn't you unless you're a broker 
Today, the U.S. Department of Treasury and Internal Revenue Service have jointly announced a set of proposed regulations focusing on the sale and exchange of digital assets by brokers. This is part of the broader strategy set forth by the Biden-Harris administration's Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. (laughs) Jobs! In attempt to close the tax gap, address tax evasion risks posed by digital assets, and help ensure that everyone plays by the same set of rules. Quote, these proposed regulations would require brokers, including digital asset trading platforms, digital asset payment processors, and certain digital asset hosted wallets to file information returns and furnish payee statements on dispositions of digital assets affected for customers in certain sale or exchange transactions, said the IRS. These regulations obligate brokers of digital assets to report the specific sales and exchanges of their customers. So there you are affected in, in, you know, in a secondary manner. The regulations also introduce the requirement for brokers to furnish a new form 1099-DA. I guess that's 1099 digital asset to help users determine if they owe taxes. The implementation timeline specified in the regulations states that brokers would start reporting information on sales and exchanges of digital assets beginning in 2026 for transactions that occurred during the year 2025. The Joint Committee on Taxation's estimates is that the IIJA provisions could generate nearly $28 billion in revenue over 10 years. Yay, that's even more bombs that we can drop on people in countries whose names we can't pronounce. Yay! The Treasury Department and the IRS are actively soliciting feedback from affected taxpayers, industries, and other stakeholders on the proposed regulations. Written comments will be accepted until October the 30th, 2023, and the agencies have scheduled a public hearing on November the 7th, 2023, with a potential follow-up session on November the 8th of 2023, if the demand necessitates it. So, it's, you know, it's almost as if, right now, a broker is not exactly uh, commanded to tell the IRS and Treasury Departments about what you did in your brokerage account. So, uh, or at least with digital assets, right? I'm sure with legacy assets, yeah, but with digital assets, no. Uh, so this'll, this is just the United States government trying to steal more of your money. That, that's what it boils down to. And if it was the case that the United States government would spend even a dollar of the tax money that they steal from every United States citizen every day, I probably wouldn't be so upset about it. But they continuously fumble the ball. They continuously do stupid things. And they use our own money to put our th- their own citizenry in danger. COVID. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. If you bought into it, you got hoes, man. Masks. Oh, oh, yeah. It's like we got it's like, how many millions of dollars did they spend on marketing and advertising, making sure that everybody wore a mask? You know what I saw yesterday? I saw a meme. Basically, it was like, hey, you know what? It's okay. Let the kids pee in the pool. They're they're wearing bathing suits. But the guy asked, well, how does that work? And the other guy says, like masks, because it's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. It, 
without even getting further down that particular rabbit hole, is everything else. What the hell is the United States spending its money on all the time? And it's not its money, it's our money. How many bombs do we have to drop? How many wars do we have to fight? Actually, how many wars do we have to lose? We haven't won shit since World War II. I mean, we're actually not very good at this. And we spend the most money on losing than any other country in the world, and I'm kind of tired of it. So this is just one more way to snake more money from your ass. I don't know, man. Just just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin, but don't do it on a brokerage. Don't do it on an exchange. Hold it yourself. Go get a cold card or something like that. Now, what's last here? Oh, I love this one. This is great. I can't I can't wait to see this in the wild. This is from blog.torproject.org. Introducing proof of work defense for onion services. And this is Tor, the onion router, right? This is the, the, the Tor project has announced. Today, we are officially introducing a proof-of-work defense for onion services designed to prioritize verified network traffic as a deterrent against denial-of-service attacks with the release of Tor 0.4.8. That's Tor 4.8. Tor's POW defense is a dynamic and reactive mechanism remaining dormant under normal use conditions to ensure a seamless user experience. But, 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 when an onion service is under stress, the mechanism will prompt incoming client connections to perform a number of successful, uh, successively more complex operations. The onion service will then prioritize these connections based on the effort level demonstrated by said client. We believe that the introduction of a proof-of-work mechanism will disincentivize attackers by making large-scale attacks costly and impractical while giving priority to legitimate traffic. Onion services are encouraged to update to version 0.4.8. The inherent design of Onion services, which prioritizes user privacy by obfuscating IP addresses, has made it vulnerable to denial-of-service attacks and traditional IP-based rate limits have been imperfect protections in these scenarios. In need of alternative solutions, we devised a proof-of-work mechanism involving a client puzzle to thwart DOS attacks without compromising user privacy. But how does it work? Proof-of-work acts as a ticket system that is turned off by default but adapts to network stress by creating a priority queue. Before accessing an Onion service, a small puzzle must be solved, proving that some work has been done by the client. The harder the puzzle, the more work is being performed, providing or proving a user is genuine and not a bot trying to flood the service. Ultimately, the proof-of-work mechanism blocks attackers while giving real users a chance to reach their destination. What does it mean for attackers and users? If attackers attempt to flood an onion service with requests, the POW defense will kick into action and increase the computational effort required to access a .onion site. 
The ticketing system aims to disadvantage attackers who make huge numbers of connections attempts to an onion service. Sustaining these kinds of attacks will require a lot of computational effort on their part with diminishing returns as the effort increases. For everyday users, however, who tend to submit only a few requests at a time, the added computational effort of solving the puzzle is manageable for most devices, with initial times per solve ranging from 5 milliseconds for faster computers and up to 30 milliseconds for slower hardware. If the attack traffic increases, the effort of the work will increase up to roughly one minute of work. While this process is invisible to the users and makes waiting on a proof-of-work solution comparable to waiting on a slow network connection, it has the distinct advantage of providing them with a chance to access the Tor network even when it's under stress by proving their humanity. Over the past year, we've put a lot of work into mitigating attacks on our network and enhancing our defense for Onion services. The introduction of Tor's proof-of-work defense not only positions Onion services among the few communication protocols with built-in DOS protections, but also, when adopted by major sites, promises to reduce the negative impact of targeted attacks on network speeds. The dynamic nature of this system helps balance the load during sudden surges in traffic, ensuring more consistent and reliable access to onion services. All right, so they fight, they, they have, it looks like the guys over at Tor, I was about to say has have figured it out, but that is, for someone like me who is very non-technical when it comes to things like this, um, I, that's just, that's me being arrogant, so I'm not going to say it. These guys have been working desperately over the past, like, it's almost been like four years that Tor has been under constant denial of service attack. It's made things very difficult. I do believe that it's probably why I can't get very large uh, payments through my Lightning Network when people are boosting me over 10,000 Satoshis because my Lightning Network is not operating on ClearNet. It is Tor-enabled. And anything over 10,000 Satoshis when somebody boosts me, ah, man, that's pretty, it, it gets dicey. And I think it has something to do with the fact that Tor has been under constant attack forever. Now, my node, my Lightning node, which is also on my Bitcoin full node, is on a Raspberry Pi 4. At one point or another, I'm assuming that my node BTC, which are the people that make manufacture the node software that I'm using on my Raspberry Pi to run my full node and Lightning node, I will assume that they're going to update their Tor services to 0.4, was it 0.4.8? Will my Raspberry Pi be able to handle that? And will it make routing through my Lightning node easier, more reliable, or harder and less reliable? I don't know. But here's what I'm going to say. If that ends up being the case that it's negative for me and my Lightning node, I will do one of two things. I will switch it to ClearNet, which I don't want to do. Or I will get a more powerful machine. Because I think that the issue that Tor has been dealing with for years and years and years, just, it needs to be solved. And I think that they're adopting the Bitcoin mindset when it comes to this. I think this is going to work. I think that it's not 
I don't think that it's a, uh, a too big of an ask that if you're using Tor, that you need to express your need to use Tor in a proof of work manner. And there's something philosophical about this that makes me think that maybe this aligns Tor with Bitcoin at, at, in a different, in a more ideological way. And because of that ideology, the people at Tor start thinking more about, start understanding Bitcoin more if they don't already. And for Bitcoiners to understand Tor more. And that one, I guarantee you that most, like there's a lot of Bitcoiners out there that don't know how Tor works. I don't exactly know. I got a good idea, but I don't really know the fundamentals of it. But I think it's going to bring Tor and Bitcoin in closer alignment, just like Noster and Lightning and Bitcoin are becoming closer and closer and closer together. You add Tor into this mix, baby, you got something. Shit, think about that and I'm going to run the numbers. CNBC, futures and commodities. I got Earl. It's up a half a point, $79.48. Brent Norsey, likewise, up uh, three quarters of a point. $83.98. Natural gas is up almost a full point to $2.54. Gasoline itself is up 1.37% to $2.81. Good luck finding that price at an actual gas pump anywhere in the United States. Gold and all the rest of the shiny metal rocks are having a bad day, except for platinum, which is up a quarter. But gold is down a half, $19.36.30. Silver is down a quarter of a point. Copper is down a quarter of a point. Palladium is down one and one third points. Uh, ag, lumber down a half point. Wheat is the biggest loser of the day. 1.66% to the downside. Uh, biggest winner is sugar, 2.22% to the upside, followed by cotton, 1.38% up, and everything else is in the green. Live cattle is up 0.15%. Lean hogs are down one and a quarter. Feeder cattle are up 0.24%. Uh, the indices are actually looking pretty good considering that everybody's scared to death of Jerome Powell. Dow is up 0.4%. S&P is up a quarter. NASDAQ is up scant. S&P mini is up 0.09%. Real money chilling out at $25,984.69. We got an average transaction value of 0.5 BTC, a median transaction value of about 50 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 22 seconds. We got one point, no, 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 0.12 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 17.22 BTC taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours with a 5.61% drop in hash rate. We're down to 379.47 uh, exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, as always, is Doge, 6.2 United States pennies. You got a, ooh, say, $504.8 billion market cap. That is 3.93% of gold's market cap. And you may purchase, if you so choose, with your one Bitcoin, 13 point ounces. 
No, 13.6 ounces of the shiny metal rock. And there are 19,467,430.57 BTC in circulation. 4,689.8 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $121.6 million, being run over 16,205 nodes that we know about, sporting 67,898 channels that we can see, and the percentage being run over Tor is 72.9%. Uh, mempool.space looks like we got about 135 blocks carrying 373,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear with priority values that are high of seven Satoshis per V byte, as well as low priorities of seven Satoshis per V byte. And anything under five Satoshis per V byte is being purged from mempools around the world. Mempool.spaces, uh, says that hash rate is indeed 389.1 exahashes per second. So that's pretty close. And, 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 and. Hold on for a sec. Got to check something. Did I forget something? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, show notes for the, or show notes. My God. I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing anymore. Oh my God. Help me, help me, help me. Um, from the Age of Stupid, episode 780. You guys have kept me in the top 10 on Fountain Charts. I'm actually now number five, thanks to Nick underscore dose. 1,369 sats says, cheers. Cheers. Dubrovko with 1,000 sats says, regarding SBF, sure is nice to have the best defense that other people's money can buy. Regarding Grayscale, it seems that the plan the whole time was to, to take a Vic from people's BTC and never let go until they get their ETF approved. Where's my money, says Stewie Griffin with a baseball bat. If you hadn't heard the story, listen to what Bitcoin did about Roman. Quote, I'm with the government and I am here to help, says politician that made firearms much more difficult to buy in his state. God's death with 370 says, thank you, sir. For your information, this is the second time I funded my fountain wallet with zaps from Noster. So if you zap me, it probably goes here. That's so cool, dude. Kavart Beerborn with 250 says, the year is 2045. So much had changed since he joined the gin pop. He took a quick lance glance over his shoulder, too afraid to pause and turn around. As he walked away from the pen, for the last time, a tear rolled down Mr. Fried's chin. Over the last 20 years, he had enough bro-worst for his southern half to never be considered vegan again. Now the party was over. Never again would he be part of a similar harem. Not even close. If only the tiles of the shower walls could talk. (laughs) <laughs> pies with a hundred says thank you sir no thank you fatoshi replies to pie says no thank you fatoshi replies again with no god's death replies to that with no thank you fatoshi says thank you and i say thank you all that's gonna do it for the weather report all righty I got Riot in Progress. This is music, by the way. It's coming out of Wave Lake. If you're not visiting Wave Lake, you're kind of missing out. And you should go to Wave Lake and start listening to music that's being created by people 
you know, that they don't want to be part of the regular old fashioned music industry. They just, they just want to make their music. They want people to appreciate it. They want you to do that by giving them some Satoshis and you can do that over on wavelake.com. That's W A V L A K E.com. Wavelake, W A V, not W A V E, just W A V and go listen to them. This is Riot in Progress. Name of the song, Heads Up!
Welcome to part two of the news that you can use fake lightning channels from nobsbitcoin.com. Quote, in my experiments, I was able to create hundreds of thousands of fake channels against victim nodes owned by me with all kinds of adverse effects. In some cases, funds were clearly at risk of being stolen due to the victim node's inability to respond to cheating attempts, according to Matt Morehouse. Lightning nodes released. This is important. Okay, If you run a lightning node, you've got to listen to this right now. Lightning nodes released prior to the following versions are susceptible to a DOS attack involving the creation of large numbers of fake channels. LND 0.16.0, CLN 23.02, Eclair 0.9.0, LDK 0.0.114. Quote, if you are running node software older than this, your funds may be at risk. Update to at least the above versions to help protect your node. Quote, I reported the DOS vector to the four major lightning implementations around the start of 2023. All implementations have now shipped releases with defenses against this DOS. Quote, fake channels are trivial to create. Since there's no way for the victim to verify the funding out point sent to them in the funding underscore created message, the attacker doesn't even need to construct a real funding transaction. An attacker can thus force a victim node to consume a small amount of resources by opening a fake channel with the victim and never publishing it on chain. If the attacker can create lots of fake channels, they can lock up lots of the victim's resources. So here are the takeaways. Use watchtowers. Quote, when all else fails, watchtowers help to protect funds if your lightning node is incapacitated by a DOS attack. If you have significant funds at risk, it's cheap insurance to run a private watchtower on a separate machine. Multi-process architectures in general provide some defense against DOS more security auditing is needed. Quote, the fact that this DOS vector went unnoticed since the beginning of the Lightning Network should make everyone a little scared. If a newcomer like me can discover this vulnerability in a couple of months, there are probably many other vulnerabilities in the Lightning Network waiting to be found and exploited. All right, so thank God for people like this. Now, other people will get mad at this guy and say, you're just trying to destroy everything. No, this is the way that you find out how shit breaks, by trying to break it. And, you know, there's been a lot of people that have done a lot of things to Lightning Network and to Bitcoin itself, honestly, that had it not been done by somebody who actually is acting in a very ethical way, by trying to break shit, but has a heart good enough not to exploit it themselves, then and only then, do we get real live in the wild stress tests? And it's only with those tests can the developers seek to patch, repair, reweld, make it stronger. Right? So I don't give anybody any shit when they go and they try to open up a multi-sig with 999 signatures and break the living crap out of lightning like homeboy did. And I can't remember. It was a Muneeb. I can't remember who it was. And then this guy, this uh, Matt Morehouse, 
I hope he doesn't catch any shit for doing this because this is the only way that we figure stuff out. He has a point. He discovered it as a newcomer in a couple of months. And how long has lightning been active? Should you say, oh, well, and, and here's, okay, well, back up. The other side of the coin, people that are mad at people for breaking lightning, the other side of that coin is, see, lightning doesn't work. That's not true either. We have to have a balanced approach, a balanced ability to be able to address lightning and any new technology like the Tor DOS, uh, DOS and the proof of work system tried, you know, that's designed to get around the, the denial of service attacks on Tor. I don't know if it's going to work. Does it itself have a vulnerability? It probably does. Do we know what it is? Probably not. Does that mean that we're just going to throw away Tor? If it, somebody finds a vulnerability in the proof of work against DOS, no, that's stupid. That's what's called throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And the same thing I hear people bitch and moan about all the time happens with lightning, Bitcoin, and all kinds of other stuff. It is just, it all, it all needs to stop and people need to throw some respect and possibly some Toshis to Matt Morehouse for discovering this and actually not exploiting it, trying to be a good human, and then telling the people at the four lightning houses what the hell's going on. So just going to get off my high horse now and let's go to this one. Um, yeah, I'm not going to do that one. That one, I think we already covered that one. And we're not going to do that one. All right. A third of investors are open to trusting artificial intelligence financial advice a third of united states investors actually go okay I'll let artificial intelligence tell me what to do coin telegraph jesse coglin around one if three in three united states investors would be open to following ai generated financial advice without verifying it with another source According to a recent survey, Jesus, it gets worse. On August the 22nd, the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards released the results of a poll that surveyed over 1,100 adults in early July. Only 31% of the respondents had actually received financial planning advice from AI, with 80% recording some level of satisfaction with the experience. Older respondents were more likely to be satisfied with the experience compared to those under 45 years of age. However, nearly a third of all surveyed respondents, whether they tried it or not, indicated that they'd be comfortable taking advice without verifying it. Before the wave of AI chatbots such as OpenAI's chatbot GPT and Google's Bard, it had been noted that more investors were beginning to rely on friends, influencers, and social media for investment advice. Interestingly, the most recent survey found generative AI tools have beat our social media across all ages, with investors surveyed saying they were comparatively more comfortable using AI financial advice without verifying the information compared to social media. Holy shit. The CFP board claimed, however, that investors of all ages cited being more comfortable with AI-generated and social media-derived financial advice if it were verified by a financial advisor. The findings, however, found that only 52% of the respondents were interested in receiving AI-created financial advice in the future. 
How the, do, why would you want to take any advice, financial or otherwise, from artificial intelligence without actually verifying it? I mean, even if even financial advisors that I've had in my past, I don't let I never let them just do whatever it was that they were going to do. They would make a suggestion, and then I'd go look into it for myself. I learned a lot of financial stuff that way. That's the, that's the other, you know, that's a, a, a side benefit of doing that. But even another human, I was like, oh, I'm not sure shit ain't going to trust you. And now you got a third of United States investors who are willing to ask Kim Kardashian and Google Bard what to do with their money. Do you have any idea how dangerous that is? Stay away from anybody who suggests doing that. They're going to get you killed. Now, staying with the AI thread, we're going to decrypt. And this is written by Decrypt AI. However, it's edited by Stacey Elliott. So I'm seeing this as a trend in at least Decrypt. Let's see what it says. AI startup Hugging Face hits a $4.5 billion valuation after Google and NVIDIA backed the raise. In a significant endorsement of the surging interest in artificial intelligence and platforms that foster its growth, AI started Hugging Face has raised a whopping $235 million in its Series D funding round. The news, initially brought to light by the information and subsequently confirmed by Salesforce CEO Mark Beninoff, or Benioff on Twitter, has the tech industry buzzing with participation from tech behemoths such as Google, Amazon, NVIDIA, Intel, and many others, Hugging Face's latest funding round brings its total capital raised to $395.2 million. The new valuation pegs the firm at $4.5 billion, marking a two-fold increase since May of last year. This valuation notably exceeds Hugging Face's annualized revenue by more than 100 Times, my God, this is going fast. Among AI startups, Hugging Faces funding places it amongst luminaries like OpenAI, which boasts an $11.3 billion in funding, Cohere, Anthropic, Inflection AI, and Adept follow closely behind. Quote, AI is the new way of building all software. <laughs> it's the most important paradigm shift of the dec- decade and... Compared to the software shift, it's going to be bigger because of new capabilities and faster because software paved the way, co-founder and CEO Clement Delang told TechCrunch. Quote, Hugging Face intends to be the open platform that empowers this paradigm shift, end quote. Founded in 2016 by the French entrepreneur Delenghi, along with Julien Chamaud and Thomas Wolfe, Brooklyn-based Hugging Face was originally designed as a chatbot for teens. However, the trio's vision evolved to form a platform tailored for AI applications after they open-sourced the app's algorithm. Today, the company provides various data science tools, much like a GitHub for AI, where developers can find code, repositories, datasets, and AI models. With over 10,000 customers and 50,000 organizations, Hugging Face has secured its place in the AI domain. Their model hub alone boasts over a one or sorry, boasts over a million repositories. Damn. 
A HubSpot poll further underscores the growing enterprise interest in AI with 43% of business leaders intending to boost their AI investments in 2023. Hugging Faces contributions extend beyond just MLOPs, a set of tools essential for taking AI models from development to production. In 2021, they unveiled Big Science aiming to rival OpenAI's GPT-3 with an open-source alternative. Named Bloom, this language model has been a significant hit on Hugging Faces platform. The startup's collaborations span across big players in the tech industry, from partnering with NVIDIA to ensure broader cloud compute access to teaming up with Amazon and Microsoft for product extensions, Hugging Faces leaving no stone unturned. Delaying has ambitions, plan, ambitious plans for the future. With a current strength of 170 employees, Hugging Face is set to intensify its foray into various domains, scaling its efforts while also aiming to bolster its workforce in the coming months. Okay, editor's note on this. This story was drafted with Decrypt AI from sources referenced in the text and fact-checked by Stacey Elliott. You're going to see a lot more of this. You're going to see a lot more of this. And I don't really necessarily like AI-generated news stories. One of these days, I'm not going to be able to tell. And it very well may be the case that I wouldn't have known this was AI-generated had there not been the AI-generated disclaimer. But... This begs the question, is AI just a fad? The answer, no, it's not. And if you don't figure that part out, you're going to be lunch. And I don't want to be lunch. I just don't. But I am going to have to go eat lunch here very quickly. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. When I came home from work, my wife said, Ugh, the baby has been crying for hours. Can you take over? I said, Sure. And I started crying for hours. It's Friday, Friday, Friday. Go out and have a good time. Go do something fun. Go take your kids to a movie or something like that. I hear the movie Gran Turismo is really, really good and that it should it's it's one of those things that's not to be missed. I'm gonna to try to find a screening of it for my uh for my son because I think he is he would be interested in going and seeing that. Again, reminders if you want to support the show. Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can stream me Satoshis, you can throw me boostograms. In those boostograms, you can, I don't know, you can make fun of me. You can point the finger at me and laugh. You can ask me questions. I will do my, if I get a question that I can like have a hope in hell of answering on the air, I will answer the question. You want to ask me about, I don't know, soil or fungus or anything that has to do with, you know, natural systems or pasture management or anything like that. If I can't answer it, I will answer it. And that includes stuff like, Lightning Network and wallets. I'm not the most technical guy, so I'm not going to be able to, you know, get into the guts of like the new Zeus wallet. 
But if you ask me questions about it, I'll do my best to answer them. And then that way I can support you supporting me, supporting you, supporting me. I'm trying to help you, help me, help you, help me, right? So anyway, also prayers and positive energies to Whitney Webb and her baby boy, as well as to Haley Wright and her battle with cancer at a stage four thing. We did get a slimmer of good news uh, last night. She had a scan run, uh, like I guess a cat scan done like last week, and there was a slight shrinkage in the extent of the uh, of the cancer that is basically, you know, starting in her, her gastro, you know, basically in her guts is where this is. It's in the center of her body. It's one of the worst ones you can get. Um, but that's good news. But uh, prayers and thoughts for all of these people and all of the people that, in fact, if you want to, you know, like in a boostergram or something like that, you want to send me some, like announce somebody that needs some help. Maybe we can crowdfund some positive energy for Then let me know and I'll do it. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.